Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week, we are going to talk about how our regulators, financial regulators, handle the complaints that we send to them. And I'm not talking about individual complaints, the particular service provider where you are a client, but what happens when people like me as a journalist or as an activist or any among you who want to be a whistleblower or who want to draw the regulator's attention to wrongdoing, what is it that we face? How is it uh, received? Do we get the response that we want? Or do our regulators, whether it's Reserve Bank of India, the Securities and Exchange Board of India, and I don't think it's any better with the Ministry of Corporate Affairs or the insurance regulator, but I'm going to talk about the first two, RBI, Reserve Bank of India, and SEBI, the Securities and Exchange Board of India with the market regulator. So here's an interesting story. Okay, On 16th October, it's three days ago, I was surprised to receive a letter from the RBI Central Receipt and Processing Center. This is now an automated system where people send complaints. I got an acknowledgement of a complaint that I had ostensibly made against Canada Bank and I was given a, given a tracking number. Now, this was strange because I had no made no complaint at all. In fact, the letter said that I had filed a complaint with the ombudsman, either through a letter, email, or straight to RBI's complaint management system. Remember, complaint management is different from a query or a clarification or a request for interaction with the consumer department of the Reserve Bank of India, the regulator. So the email tells me that I would get a response saying whether the complaint is maintainable or not. Very surprising because I had made no complaint to the ombudsman. In fact, I had written a letter to several people in the Consumer Education and Protection Department. Mind the words. They tell you what the role is. right? Then I wrote a separate mail and a WhatsApp to the Deputy Governor of the RBI, Mr. Swaminathan Jankiraman. I also had a query posted from our office to RBI's Public Relations Department. What was I asking? I was following up on an issue raised by a banker based on deep research by Professor Ashish Das from the Mathematics Department of IIT Bombay, who does a lot of work on bank charges and has been doing it for decades. So this was serious research. And I was following up on this to ask, is it true that at least nine public sector banks have been guilty about charging charges, service charges that they are not supposed to on what is called the basic bank deposit account, BSBDA. This is a basic account. There are restrictions. You have to withdraw from an ATM. You don't get a checkbook also, I think. And then the famous Pradhan Mantri Jandhan Yojana. These are the Jandhan accounts which were meant to increase financial inclusion and bring people who had no access to banking into the formal banking system. The thought was that there would be no minimum balances for them. There would not be all kinds of charges levied on them. And they were going to be encouraged to come into the formal banking system. So Professor Das had discovered that they were being charged things that even you and I don't get charged. So if you and I have an account with a minimum balance, which is comfortable, lots of things are free for us. But if you are from a low economic strata, where you are supposed to get benefits under the BS, BDA and Jandhan account, 
they were charging you, including for UPI. Isn't this shocking? So, of course, when you ask them, everybody denies it. But Professor Das had found that he had done research which showed that they were charging by steps. So after four debits, which actually meant for ATMs, you know that once you debited or used your ATM more than four times a month, your fifth transaction is charged. So every time there's a withdrawal, including UPI, it is being seen as a debit. And they cumulatively charge at the end of the month, depending on you know how many debits there are. None of us think about how many times we debit in from our UPI. In fact, maybe all of us have to watch out for whether banks are charging. And not just a charge of five rupees per transaction, but a GST on it. But let me come to more about this later. This is a serious issue. And that is why the question to the Consumer Protection Department saying, are you protecting these people from, you know, economically not so well-off groups who need the help? This process of asking questions actually wasn't started by me. It was started by an ex-banker called Mr. Chandramoli Mohan, who lives in Bangalore. He started it in 2021 and has been relentlessly following a process. He's been getting the same banking ombudsman thing. He's filed RTI. He's written to the RBI as an ex-banker. You would think they would treat his issues with respect because he understands, but he got no answer. In fact, when we took it up last year, and I wrote one article about this where I talked about Professor Das's research, and I talked about these charges, and in fact, Canada Bank admitted that they would stop charging, but I'll come to that later. Here's what happened. I've made no complaint to the RBI. RBI just pushes my letter to the ombudsman, where the ombudsman has no business looking at it at all. It is completely mischievous and disingenuous. Why? Because whoever passed it on, whether it's a DG's office or CEPD, they are fully aware that I don't fit the criteria of a complainant. I don't have an account with Canada Bank. I am not, I don't have a specific service-related query. And there is a process. If you didn't know it, there is a process for filing a complaint with the ombudsman. You have to first take it up with your branch raise it to the nodal officer, wait for four weeks. If you do not hear from the bank for four weeks, only then can you file with the ombudsman. If you don't follow this process, your application or your complaint is rejected as non-maintainable. Now, since I hadn't even written to the ombudsman and I'm not a customer, I'm an activist and a journalist, obviously I had asked the customer services department, customer protection department, they just bunged it to the ombudsman office knowing 100% that the complaint will be closed as non-maintainable, which is exactly what happened. In fact, they had worked hard on my letter. My letter mentioned several banks. So they split it up as multiple complaints. So this was Canada Bank, where I made no complaint. They made me a complainant. They sent a similar one about State Bank of India and IDBI. I wrote a column about this. That very evening, I got replies from the Ombudsman office saying, guess what? your complaint is not maintainable. That's when I discovered that they had sent a similar one to state about State Bank of India, as well as IDBI Bank, where again, I'm not a complainant. Now, why this trick? Because if most of us activists do, if we write a file a right to information application, then the reply over there will be that it's been acted upon and closed, or they don't even say closed, 
They have acted on it. That's all they have to say. Did you get a letter? Yes. Did you do something about it? Yes. What did you do? We sent it into a black hole, knowing fully well that this complaint would not be maintainable. Now, why had I addressed DG, Mr. Swaminathan Jankiraman? Because I read a speech of his in September. Look at how hilarious this is. He gives a sermon to executives of banks because as a regulator, you're allowed to do it. He tells them, and I'm quoting, banks must ensure their employees understand that the primary responsibility is to serve customers' financial needs while maintaining a focus on targets. He stressed the need for a consumer-centric approach. He wanted them to address the root cause of complaints and give importance to resolution at first contact and be responsible for handling complaints. Isn't it ironical? He wants banks to do what the department under him, which is tasked with consumer protection, is not willing to do, which is acting like a post office, which is shirking responsibility and deliberately sending complaints to the ombudsman so that they wash their hands off it. Won't banks take their cue from the regulator? You think banks do not have this feedback? That this is how RBI, wink, wink, laughs probably at activists and says, oh, this is what we do when they come. Bung them to the ombudsman, they're closed as non-maintainable. But this is not how a system can work. This is not how a regulator is supposed to fulfill his fiduciary responsibility. And if a regulator behaves like this, with what moral right is it going to question regulated entities which are treating us as customers far worse than this? Now, let's go to the market regulator, which is SEBI. But remember, this is not standard. When they want to, when something interests them, they do engage with us. When something is tough or they do not want to act, this is the kind of stonewalling and games that they play. Now, SEBI, as you know, has had, has had to act on so many broker defaults and issues where people, including influencers, are pretending to do well, or there are cases where they've been running illegal portfolio management services, promising extraordinary returns. So somebody forwarded me a advertisement by a Pune-based entity about a firm which was running a private or illegal advisory and PMS service without SEBI registration and offering extraordinary returns. The returns ranged from 5 to 8%, depending on how much you invested, starting at 25,000 and going up to 1 crore. So you were getting a return per annum of 60 to 100%. Unbelievable. It's impossible. And it's impossible to give this to a large bunch of people in a portfolio management scheme. This was unregistered, illegal. So I sent it to a whole time member assuming that SEBI will act on it because anybody who claims to invest in the market needs a broker through whom they invest. So at some point, there will be a legal registered entity through which these operations will be put on the exchange. Unless it's all Dabba, in that case also, the regulator would want to know more is what I thought. I didn't hear from SEBI. I wrote to them on 27th February, expected the regulator would act or be happy that someone is pointing out something as brazen as this. And I think there should have been just a quick action, maybe even a call. I don't think to stop something as brazenly illegal as this requires a lot of effort. Investigation and punishment does, but the initial process of stopping should not. But I didn't hear anything. 
suddenly in September, I get a letter from the Mumbai Police Economic Offences Division saying that we've received your complaint, but please take it up with Pune because it's not our jurisdiction. I was surprised because I'd made no complaint to the police at all and nothing about a Pune entity that I could remember. So I then had a colleague help me to get information and I discovered that SEBI had acted as a post office. It had put a covering letter saying, here's a complaint. This person is running an, a fraudulent operation. And we've got this attached, that advertisement that I had sent, and asked the Economic Offences Wing to investigate it under provisions of the Indian Penal Code. Now, fraudulent investment advisories, like I said, are entirely SEBI's baby. SEBI chose to pass the buck to the police who are more heavily burdened than a specialist market regulator. And they also do not have the expertise that a market regulator has about new regulations which are being issued almost one a day. So in what way are regulations flouted? In what way is it wrong? SEBI that has the expertise, not the police, but they forward it without so much as looking at it, put a covering letter, bung it there, act as a post office. Now, I'm not saying they act as a post office. The Securities Appellate Tribunal has said it in an order, and I've written, I've done a whole video blog on it. You can go and look at it. We show you a link. So, post office SEBI, post office RBI, questions that we ask, God knows what happens. And if you look at responses to what I've done, any number of people among you who are hearing this obviously must have had similar experiences. Now let's come back to my original complaint about fleecing the weakest depositors. Like I said, this was a study by Professor Das. I told you how they'd been charging five rupees plus GST despite a clear notification that UPI transactions cannot be charged. And this has been reconfirmed by the National Payments Corporation of India which has started UPI. We all use UPI. It's wonderful. But while we don't pay anything and we're happy about it, and the finance ministry, minister and ministry has repeatedly said it will not be charged, economically weak people have had to pay and the numbers are not small. So State Bank of India had actually refunded 90 crores that was collected on such digital transactions on 1st Jan 2020 and issued a statement to this effect. Indian Overseas Bank had made a similar statement. Then in November 2022, when I wrote about it, following on the same case that I was taking up again, Canada Bank put out a tweet saying it had stopped levying this charge effective 1st October 2020. So why are we still at it? Because while they may have stopped levying the charge, the money that they had collected, which is huge, has to be returned. So in fact, this ex-banker, Mr. Mohan, he believes that the amount is as high as 200 and he's got a lot of clippings on the basis of which he's arrived at this conclusion. He has complained, like I said, to everybody, to the RBI, to the government grievance portal, which is called CP Grams, he's filed RTI, doesn't get clear responses. He hoped that it would be slightly better when he writes to us because the last time around, thanks to NCPI, we had got out action, not RBI. RBI is uninterested in what happens to people with Jandhan accounts and people with basic accounts who should not be fleeced. And I have no idea why 
RBI has such a callous and hard-hearted attitude to them because we have repeatedly tried to seek answers and clarifications. And all they have to do is ask these PSB banks to return unjust charges that they had collected from these people. There is proof provided, screen grabs. In fact, their work has all been done by Mr. Mohan, but they do not want to respond and they want complaints to obviously closed. Now, what is the bottom line here? It's not about me and what I asked. It is about the fact that the regulators think that they are not answerable to the people. They don't need to get elected. So they are even less caring than, say, a politician who has to stand for elections every five years. They are supposed to be supervised by the finance ministry. They're supposed to be an oversight by the Joint Parliamentary Committee of Finance. But neither of these people seem to care or do anything because responses from them are even less. And ultimately, they all operate out of an ivory tower or a bhavan like SEBI. And who's to blame? Not them. We are to blame because we as citizens, as taxpayers, do not demand our rights and make them answerable. Please share this video so that people understand what this issue is about. And let's all work together to demand some answers from our regulators, because each of you is going to face a problem sometime. And this is going to come back to haunt you unless you demand accountability. If you like what I say, please subscribe because these are issues we bring to your attention week after week. Thank you.